because my first sponsor gave me a lot of prayers is she had me put a note on my mirror and it said, dear Carol, I know what I'm doing. Love God. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of people are doing that. And a lot of people are saying, instead of inviting God into their day, they're inviting themselves into God's day. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Buenas noches and buenos dias, mi amigos. <laughs> that was the voice. No, no, don't go anywhere. Come here. <laughs> you, you, I want to just say something to the listeners, okay? <laughs> say, <laughs> say hello. Hi, listeners. Do you want to tell them what you just did? I judged my dad for no. screaming into the mic. Oh. Right. Well, you did judge your dad for screaming into the mic. But well, what was the activity you just got back from doing? I got a tattoo. Say that again? I got a tattoo. <laughs> How does your dad feel about that? Great. <laughs> that was the voice of... Oh, now I'm all off. Uh, 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 Carol L. that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you are going to hear so much more from her in just a moment on this here episode number Dos Cinco Trace 253, everybody, from deep in the heart of of Texas coming out of Studio AA. (laughs) But first things first, this episode is being brought to you by Joshua. What did Joshua do? Joshua went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. He clicked on the little yellow donate tab and he made a a contribution. So thank you so much, Mr. Joshua. So as you can tell there at the beginning of this, my daughter was in... I call this my little laboratory. I also call it, uh, as you heard me, Studio AA, which we got from Mr. Ernie. Uh, So I call it a lot of things. But nonetheless, we also call it the guest bedroom in our house. And we also call it my uh, yoga room. Now, you would would think that when, when somebody says they do yoga, you picture somebody who really is good at yoga. I'm no good at it, right? I simply use it to kind of calm down my mind. And we also call this room my uh 
sports watching room. So I do a combination of, I do the yoga while I watch sports at the same time, uh, because I can't go to sleep if I just watch the sports and I get all jacked up. Uh, I have to do something to kind of counter it out, so I do the yoga as well. But nonetheless, thank you for tuning in. And uh, my daughter was sitting here while I went through my little, I heard... uh, one of the listeners write in once. Her name is Kim, Kim M. And she wrote in and she says something about uh, John M. during your pregame. And so my daughter was just sitting here. She noticed that I, okay, so there's a couple things I do. And I, I, like anybody cares, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I, I have one of those uh, adjustable desks. So when I begin to, uh, record like I'm doing right now. I'll go ahead and put it at the at the higher height so I can uh, stand up and be at attention or what. I don't know. It just it kind of helps me to get in the mood. And then I closed the door also, and I got up and I did that rather rapidly. And then she saw me do something with my microphones, and then she saw me start kind of yelling into the microphone. <laughs> that's when she got up and started to walk away. And uh, so then the, the and she oh she had come in here to tell me about her tattoo, which uh, you know, Dad, I, I'm a dad, right? I, I I'd rather not get tattoos, but I think this is her second one or whatever, and she knows how I feel about it. But hey, you know, she's a grown kid now, and you know she's gonna do what she's gonna do. So anyway, that was what all that was about. So <clears throat> just so you know, I recorded a an episode yesterday. And now I'm here today and I'm recording this episode. So we're going to have very few, very little uh, listener contribution type of stuff on the back end. And so you say to yourself, why are you doing this, John M? Why don't you just kind of um, space it out? Well, it's because a couple of things. Number one, I, I have a heavy travel schedule this week and I am not going to be able to record on my normal schedule cadence, if you will. I like that word cadence. And I am, uh, you know, I just want to take next week off. Uh, sometimes your boy here needs a little bit of a, a little bit of a break. So I'm giving myself a break and I'm going to get this thing done right now. But uh, anyway, that was, in fact, if you listen to the end of last week's episode, uh, by the way, this is all, in, you know, I mean, the time is what, when you are listening to it. But in my world, it was yesterday and today. And in your world, it's going to be at least a week spread out by the time we hit the automated release for these recordings. And, you know, it's amazing what technology can do nowadays. It makes me feel like I'm kind of time traveling just a bit. Nonetheless, um, I uh, so if you listen to the end of the episode last time, uh, you heard me say that I was about to go out to uh, dinner with my lovely daughter, uh, my beautiful, lovely daughter. And we had a great time, great time last time. We went to uh, P.F. Chang. Some of you are familiar with that restaurant. And uh, I actually got something new. I, I'm kind of a, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, obsessive compulsive is what some people call it. I hate the same thing every time. But last night with my daughter, I went out on a limb, and I got something different. It was called, what was it called? The Glass House? No, not Glass House. That's a, 
That's a meeting in Fort Worth. The gla- Korean glass noodles, I think is what it was called. Uh, also, we had some some sushi to begin with, some California rolls, and ah, uh, what am I? What am I, lovely daughter? Oh, she had a a honey seared chicken, and uh, and then we went next door. They had this little pretzel place. I had never been to a pretzel place like this. Can't even remember the name of it now, but it was a pretzel place, and you you would get the warm pretzel, and then they would give you a little side of icing, and you would dip your cinnamon sugar. Uh, 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 pretzel in the icing and it was like, just like a great dessert and I was like oh man this is heaven my daughter knew about it I didn't know much about it but nonetheless that's what we did I thought this was going to be a really short intro but it turned out to be a little longer than I um, anticipated Let's go on to Carol L. Uh, by the way, since it is going to be a couple weeks since um, I'm coming back. So if you want to join the Super Secret Facebook group, go to your Facebook application. Look up Sober Speak Secret Group and ask for admission into the group and we will get you in there. If you want to reach out to me about... Oh, the speaker we're about to have, Carol L., or any of the other speakers, or anything at all. Simply write me at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. You can also contact me through the website if you want to go there as well. All right. Now, on to our featured guest of the week, and that is Miss Carol L., and we are calling this one, Dear Carol, I Know What I'm Doing, Love God. <laughs> it's a, uh, a uh, anyway, just like, you know, God talking to Carol, say, hey, dear Carol, I, I know what I'm doing, uh, love God. Carol is from Light Point, Light, excuse me, Lighthouse Point, Florida, and she has been sober for, count it now, 34 years. Carol is extremely active in the online community of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we talk about that. We also talk about Al-Anon. My favorite quote from the uh, episode is, God has a big eraser. I like that. We talk about the the, uh, daily habits that Carol uses to stay sober and much, much more and we will have uh, a good we'll have some i don't want to say plenty of feedback at the end of this episode because um i i think it's just three or so which is what came in over the last 24 hours and anyway we will have that <laughs> listener feedback uh at the end of carol's episode ep enjoy carol Okay, everybody. So today we are here with Carol L. And Carol is a return guest. In fact, uh, I want to go ahead and mention this on the front end. Uh, The gentleman who introduced us is a great guy here in our area. His name is Brad. Uh, But uh, why don't you go ahead, Carol, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live. Hi, everybody. I am an alcoholic, and my name is Carol, and I live in Lighthouse Point, Florida, near Fort Lauderdale. I was given the gift of sobriety in Fort Worth, Texas, at the Glass House on May 1st, 1988, and I haven't had a drink in 12,486 
days, which is a little over 34 years, <laughs> one right. at a time. <laughs> well, good for you. That's fantastic, Carol. Um, and you, so, and I think I may have talked to you about this last time, but uh, you said you live in La Lighthouse uh, Point, Florida. Are, are there lighthouses out there in Florida? The next town over, Hillsboro Beach, has a lighthouse. So Lighthouse Point is named because it's under the beam of the lighthouse. Oh, really? So they kind of stole it from another city, really. They, they stole the beam <laughs> from the other city and they... <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have to put it up. <laughs> okay, I understand. All right, so we have had Carol uh, on the podcast in the past, like I said earlier. Uh, for those of you who would like to, uh, she's on episode number 206. You can go back and listen to that episode. It's called Carol L. Self-Respect, Self-Esteem, Dignity, and Confidence in AA. I think that probably sets the records for the most adjectives I've had in uh, one title. So, but uh, you, you did great. And I don't think I've ever told you this, Carol, but uh, you know, I get to see numbers from, you know, the most listened to and all that kind of stuff. You're in the top 10 of all time. Wow. Yeah. Out of, uh, I don't know, like 200, I don't even know where we are now, but 220 oh or gosh. so, 230 uh, different episodes. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, all right. So I, let, let's go ahead. For those of you who, th there's going to be people coming in that are new, they haven't listened to episode 206, or they simply don't remember what they heard in October 2021, which I'm one of those kind of people. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, give kind of a little thumbnail sketch of your, you know, what it was like or what you were like, what happened and what you're like now, if you would, please. Okay. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I did not like me and I didn't feel good about myself and I never felt like I fit in anywhere. I was pretty much a loner and I had a higher power that tricked me into Alcoholics Anonymous because <laughs> my boyfriend showed up in a blackout and I got to the glass house and my first meetings were open AA meetings. And when I sat in the back of that room, I identified with the alcoholics. I drank like a lot of them and I felt like that. And when they said, does anybody have a desire to stop drinking? I said, that's me. Mm -hmm. But I was, my first sponsor used to call me intractable. And she wouldn't tell me what it meant. And she wouldn't tell me how to spell it. And back in those days, we couldn't do Google. What does intractable mean? Right. We had to look it up in a dictionary. And it means stubborn, obstinate, and difficult to treat or cure. <laughs> 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 and so that was me. You know, if my parents wanted me to do something, I wanted to do the opposite. I didn't want to follow the rules. And, yeah. uh. Yeah, I grew up very young. I grew up the oldest of three, and I had to take care of a brother and a sister, and I had a lot of responsibility. And my drinking, man, in my 20s, I just started drinking at 18. When I worked in New York City and turned 18, the guys took me out for a drink, and my first drink was a martini, and it tasted terrible. And so <laughs> they ordered a blackberry sour, and I loved it, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in my 20s, drinking was fun. But, you know, when I was about 19, I went out with a guy and he got thrown up sick, drunk. And I said, I'll never do that. And I did it plenty. 
You know, I was one of those, I changed what I drank for the effect. And in my 20s, drinking was fun. But in my 30s, it was my prison. I drank at home. I didn't want to drive drunk and kill somebody. Mm. And so I drank at home. And when so when I came to you, I had to learn how do I stay home and not drink? And how do I feel good about myself again? Because when I drank, I did things that I felt embarrassed and ashamed and put myself in harmful situations. Mm. And so... When I got sober, when I came to Glass House and they told me not to drink, I got into two weeks without that drink because I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I didn't drink all day, every day. I drank when I got home from work, but not every day. I drank more on weekends. So alcoholics are those people that get DUIs and go to jail and lose jobs and drink out of brown paper bags. And I had a job and I didn't get a DUI and I didn't go to jail. But I found myself in the story, it might have been worse. It said I didn't have to do that. But it talked about our big book of Alcoholics Anonymous of why I drink. And once I put that drink in me, I have no control over how much I'm going to drink, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to end up, what's going to happen. Yeah, I did all of that. And so when I had those two weeks without the drink that I always said, I'm not an alcoholic. I can go a few days without a drink or two weeks. It was hard two weeks. I wanted to drink a lot during that, but I held out with that white knuckle not drinking. And so when I had two weeks without that drink, that emotional pain hit. And I want, mm. I was at a meeting when it did. And I got into a lot of the feelings about abuse. We talked about that last time. Mm. You know, the, the shame from stuff that happened when I was a kid or what I did when I was drinking and I was going to leave the meeting and go drink. And there was a man in the kitchen that told me not to go back out because it's not a revolving door. I might not make it back. Mm -hmm. If I go out, there's yets that could happen to me. If I do make it back, then I still have to deal with anything that took me out. And so I went in the meeting and the ladies, we sat and we talked and we cried and they showed me parts in our big book about those promises that says I won't regret the past. And that so it's a let me pause there a little bit, but that uh, that's a, a great interest to me. You said, so first of all, people come into AA all the time, as you know, and they have a pink cloud. Um, and for you, it was quite the opposite. In other words, you were sitting there and then two weeks in, you said that it, it just hits you. Do you, I'm curious about that moment and what was coming up and, and, and how you worked through it. Uh, uh, was it more of a journey as opposed to, you know, just a, talk, talk me through that period. All right. What happened when I was about two weeks sober is before the meeting, I went to dinner with one of the other girls who was kind of new and we were talking about our story and talking about some of the things that happened to us when we drank and we got into some of the sexual abuse and the date rape and some of those issues that are pretty painful to deal with. And I said, my, she told me hers. And I said, well, mine's not as bad as yours is. But we talked about that it still happened and it still affected me and it still colored my uh, perspective and my self-respect and all that. And so we went to the meeting after and I was sitting in the meeting and all those things we talked about, I guess it just hit me emotionally. And I just started crying really hard in the meeting and I didn't want to disrupt it. So I was left the meeting and 
I was going to go out the front door, but for some reason, it must have been God that I wasn't sure about yet that put that man, John, in the kitchen that told me not to go back out and to go sit with those ladies. And when I went back in, the ladies, after the meeting, we sat and they told me I'm right in the middle of it and I can walk through to freedom. I can stay where I'm at in the pain or I can go drink over it. And they showed me in the big book that promise that says, I won't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And that other one that says, cling to the thought that in God's hands, those deepest, darkest secrets of my past are my greatest possession because I can avert death and misery for others or something to that effect. And they told me their story and they listened to me. It was kind of like doing a fifth step on that issue. And they told me I never have to hurt that bad over it again and to feel that way again. And if I didn't have that, I probably would have drank. Wow. Thanks so for that, going through that. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was asking. So, all right. Yeah. So I, so I, I appreciate it. And, you know, and, and I'm just, uh, I pray that, you know, the people listening in, if you will, uh, like you said, um, um, people will know that they are not alone. I'll put it that way. And my guess is you've come across a lot of women, especially uh, throughout your sobriety that can, can relate to that uh, and it helped them feel not so alone. Yes. And I've also shared it with men. I've had men call me because it's not just women. It happens to, and that put themselves mm -hmm. in those situations. It also happens to little boys and men and mm -hmm. both of us. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so I, I kind of got you off track there, and I, like I said, I wanted you to give a thumbnail sketch of your, you know, your story. Uh, what was there anything else you want to talk about before I move on to another subject? Hmm. Well, just walking through it, and if 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 when I was new, I didn't get that out. I'm not sure I could have gone on with the rest of the program. Mm -hmm. to not hold on to something if you're going to drink over it. My first sponsor got me through the steps very quickly. Immediately, we did the book. If it said next and at once, we did that. And we went through them quick. Because if I didn't, I probably would have drank. If I just stopped drinking and I'm not changing and taking action to be different, then I'll probably drink again. Makes sense. Okay, so... I want to talk a little bit about what you, I, I, I don't know how to describe this. You're kind of, you, you don't really go to in-person meetings. Am I right about that? Right. Okay. And you are very, very active within the, uh, the, the internet world, on, uh, the online world of Alcoholics Anonymous. How, when did that happen? How did that start? And can you talk me through that? And I, sure. I go ahead. I was going to in person when I started, when I was new, I'll just tell you this. You asked what happened before I did my last years of drinking at home. So when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, my sponsor didn't want me home drinking. So she had me learn to go to a lot of meetings and to make a lot of phone calls. My first sponsor had a third of a lung, was on oxygen, confined to bed the last seven years of her sobriety. And she got sober in 1966, so she was 22 years sober. So through her being a part of my life, I learned how to stay sober without going to in-person meetings. 
I did go to meetings, but a lot of mine also were sitting on her bed Mm. where I learned to sit still. We had cassette tapes. So Mm -hmm. we read the big book and the 12 and 12 and the little red book and listened to cassette tapes or talked on the telephone. And those were my meetings. And my home group had one meeting a day, except two on Saturday. So I had to go to different groups to go to three meetings a day. And she got me involved in service. So I was writing to women in prison. I wrote to GSO and they said, here's some women in prison you can write to. And there's Loners International, which is a a pen pal club, sort of. We write to each other. There's people all over the world, including the U.S. that don't have meetings. And so when the pandemic hit and we couldn't go to in-person meetings anymore, I still knew what to do to stay sober. Mm-hmm. We did have online meetings since the 1980, about 1986, but we would log in through a modem that made those funny sounds. Right. We would go into Yahoo or AOL and we would go into a chat room and we would type lines of text to each other. We had screen names. So wow. we had it back then, but it's not pictures and sound. And so when the pandemic hit, my home group decided to have an online meeting. And so I went to that, but I only used my phone. I didn't turn my computer on. And so I could only see two or four people. And people kept talking about Hollywood squares and seeing 25 people or more. And so uh, after, (laughs) I don't know, about eight months (laughs) of online meetings, I Uh put my computer on and I found ways to be of service. And I go to now between four and eight online meetings and what people keep calling them Zoom meeting, but they're not a Zoom meeting because I was taught the steps, the traditions, and the concepts. And tradition six says, don't endorse an outside entity. Well, Zoom makes a lot of money off Alcoholics Anonymous. But there's also like Glasshouse uses WebEx. And I've done meetings on WebEx and free conference call and lots of platforms. So to me, they are an online meeting. And so it re-energized my program. I go to history meetings and big book studies and workshops. And I've gotten to tell my story all over the world. And I have friends all over the world. And we lost John. And so I keep doing that. And I find ways to be of service. I go to the meetings online early like a regular meeting in person and I stay after and do meeting before and meeting after the meeting. And I look for people that are new or that are struggling and I share my number with them or get their number and make the phone calls. And my number is under my picture on the screen so people can contact me and I stay active and I like to hear people that share recovery. And so I have a list of over 200 names of people that share the program of recovery. And I share that with people that get speakers for their meetings. And I have friends that we go support each other when we talk. And there's lots of ways to be of service online. And I started a big book study on Sunday morning and there's a small group. And so when I do my big book study, we're learning the history also from some of the big book studies I went to. And we're also learn sharing our experience and how those pages we're reading relate to our experiences. 
So it's been very interesting. And I have a 12 and 12 book study on Tuesdays. And we're going through the 12 and 12. And now we're in the traditions. And when that finishes, we're going to do the concepts. And then we're going to read some other literature. Okay, so uh, Carol, we just had something happen here that I have never had happen when I am recording a session. And that is that my PC just completely restarted itself just out of nowhere. I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? So, but, so let's go ahead and continue from that point. You were talking about Mm, the fact that people use the term Zoom meeting and what that is and, and, oh. or, and, and uh, you know, why we should call them online meetings. Okay. When I came into Glasshouse, they told me that the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is a three-legged stool. There's the steps, the traditions, and the concepts. And I need to apply all of them to my life if I want to have a balanced life and have good recovery. And that the traditions not only apply to the group, but they applied to my relationships with other people and my personal life. And they gave me some really good examples of that, which I can share later on. But tradition six is I don't endorse outside entities. And Zoom is an outside entity that is making a profit from Alcoholics Anonymous and other fellowships and companies that use their platform. It's just a building to me. It's the meeting. It's the building where my meeting is held. Just like when I went to the glass house, it was at a church annex and my meeting. Now the group I go to is meeting at a restaurant and they're not at the restaurant meeting and we're not at a church or a school meeting if we meet there. And there's other platforms besides zoom that there's meetings on because I've gone to some glass house uses Webex. Some of them use free conference call or AA meeting online. There's lots of different platforms. Right. So I don't call it a Zoom meeting. My book doesn't say Zoom anonymous and I can stay sober without online meetings. I do like them, though. I go to between four and eight a day most days because I'm retired and I get the opportunity to do that. But I don't ever call it a Zoom meeting. To me, it's an online AA meeting versus going to an in-person AA meeting. That completely makes sense. And so, and and I, I also I want to turn a corner there. Uh, and y- you have talked before about you were talking about the traditions there. You have talked about using the traditions in your life, uh, not only with, uh, you know, online meetings and stuff like that. So talk about that a little bit. Well, the first tradition says there's unity with our group, but I have to also have unity. And I got to talk on the traditions recently a few times. And when I was reading my literature on it and praying about what to share, I realized that I have unity within myself now. You know, Mm. before I, it came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was one person for my family and another person at work and another person for the boyfriend and another person, my friends. And I didn't even know who I really was and what I liked. And so now I just get to be one person. I get to be me. And if I'm out with a group of friends and we're trying to figure out where to eat or what to do, I don't get to impose my will on them. I get to see what is best for all of us. What does the group want to do? Another tradition I like is I have no opinion on outside issues and I do not bring my name into public controversy. 
it makes my life very, very simple. Because the the example that somebody gave me when I was new is she said her brother asked her, should he marry somebody? And she said, it's really a no-win situation because if I say, yes, you should marry her and it doesn't work out and they get a divorce, he's going to blame her and say, it was your fault. I would married her because you told me to. And if she says, don't marry her, mm-hmm. years later, he's going to say, I would have been really happy, but you told me not to marry that girl, and I wished I did. Yeah. It applies to my life in lots of ways. One of them is if I go out to eat with you and I say, what should I order? I don't know if I should get a hamburger or a fish sandwich. And you said, well, get the hamburger, and it tastes terrible. I would have said, you know what? I would have enjoyed my meal better if I ordered the fish, but I listened to you. See, I get <laughs> a choice to be a victim or a hero. <laughs> or or uh, I had a sponsor and she had a husband in a nursing home because of his health. And she had two young children and she was a teacher and she was just running ragged. And if I said, don't go visit your husband tonight, what if it was the night before he died on a Saturday? What if she listened to me on Friday and said, oh, maybe I'll stay home and not go. I really want to go see him, but maybe I'll stay home because Carol said I could do that. I would have felt guilty, right? Yeah. And, you know, you get a lot of it. Uh, I've had uh, many times within uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, there's a lot of, uh, what do you call it, he-in and she-in or or he-in and he-in and she-in and she-in or whatever nowadays. And and you get people that ask, well, you think I should go out with so-and-so sitting over (laughs) there on the other side of the room? And uh, depending on where they're at, uh, you know, first of all, if it's a newcomer woman, yeah, I'm like, no, 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 stay away. But if they've been at this a while, I'm like, I, you know, you guys are going to have to decide that. I don't, I don't know whether you're meant for each other or not. However, you know, uh, if you're going to keep coming to me with all this stress about it, <laughs> uh, I'd like to uh, uh, put the squash on it. In fact, my sponsor, when I was uh, in the first year of sobriety, uh, he, he said to me, I was going to him about this lady I had met and, uh, I kept talking about her and he said, I don't want to talk about her at all ever again. He really got fed up with it. <laughs> and I remember he was mad about it. Uh, so anyway, I'm sure you've come across things like that. Well, and it, it, it answers those questions in my big book. And one of the stories in the back of the book, it says there's two sins. One's to interfere with my own growth and one's to interfere with the growth of another. And the big books, when I got sober, my sponsor had me read the book every day. And I find I read it out loud in the singular because it slows my mind down and I remember what I read. But she had me read the third and seventh step prayer in the morning and at night and sometime during the day in 68 to 71 and ask God to help me set my ideals in every area area of my life, not just sex, but every area. And it asked me questions that I get to answer in all areas. And then I had to read 84 to 88, which is steps 10 and 11. And so when I do that, my life is a little more on keel. But I also know, like, when I got sober, God ended a seven-year relationship, the guy that got me to AA, right? And Al-Anon also keeps my sobriety a little bit more contented because it teaches me to let other people do what they have to do 
even people I sponsor to let them make their own choices and decisions. And what I say is, okay, whichever way this goes, God, I'm going to have a lesson and experience to grow through that you're going to have me share with somebody else someday. Mm -hmm. And so, but when I was about two and a half years sober, I got to go speak near where that guy lived. It was an hour away. And I didn't know whether I should go do it or not. And I talked to one of the girls and she said, if you don't go, you'll never know. Because I always thought if I were different, it would have worked. And so I left 10 minutes. I called him up and I left where I could spend 10 minutes with him before I had to leave. So I did. And we still had that chemistry. And the hardest thing I did after I told my story was drive home. And then he called me and we started dating again. And it was different. And ended up living together, and we got back together. And I told him if he ever made me choose between recovery and him, I had to let him go. And after many years together, that's what happened. Mm. And uh, but a lot of I had a lot of footprint stories and God's stories through reconnecting. And I got to work my program harder. You know, I get the choice: do I want to be a victim or a hero in my life story? So I like to say. And the other thing I find is I don't invite God into my small, limited human day. I invite myself into God's day because anything's possible in God's day. It's very interesting. I remember, you know, I'm thinking about the first time we recorded. Um, and like I said, I found you through Brad. And you were intimidated so to speak and and by that i mean you had looked at some of these speakers that we had had mm -hmm. on in the past you knew some of them they were like uh uh My heroes. right your heroes you know uh and uh, circuit speakers and all that sort of stuff but you you hold yourself very well carol and i'm saying that Thank kind of you. reminds me of what you were just saying right because you were like well what am i gonna say I, I just bring your story and we got you on you recorded and you did fantastic and that's similar to the story you just told you know you just gotta get up on that horse and ride it if you i think john wayne would say saddle up if i'm not mistaken <laughs> Yeah. I always tell my kids 90% of life is just showing up. Uh, and so you showed up and uh, you continue to show up. Did you say you go to three or four meetings a day? Online meetings? Yeah. I go to, usually it's a minimum of four and yeah. I've been up to eight or nine. It, it depends. Sometimes it's depends what day of the week and how many or the history or book study, or I'm going to support some people I sponsor or friends. I like to go here their message. So do you sponsor uh, remotely? Yes. Just uh, everyone, right? Yes. I have people over in London and I've talked to people in Australia and Portugal. And I had something really cool a couple of weeks ago. It was last week before last. Sometimes I tell my story four times in a day or three times in a day, but I, you might get a kick out of this. I, this is how my God works in my life. And I share it for it. Like, we didn't know we were doing this, what, two hours before? That's correct. Right? Yep. So, my God, it has that part in the big book where it says, um, I'm like the actor and I want to set the stage scenery. Well, God sets the play and God has a big eraser. And God changes my script, sometimes moment to moment. But about a week or so ago, I was scheduled to share in Portugal at one o'clock. 
and I was scheduled to share at three o'clock in the UK. And then later on that night, another meeting. And at five to one, I'm in the Portugal meeting and there's one other person, the chairperson. And he said, and so five to one, my phone rings and it's my friend in South Africa. And he says, I need a speaker at 1.30. Could you do it? I said, well, I'm speaking in Portugal. And the Portugal guy says, no, why don't you go do it? And I said, no, let's wait a minute or two. And so three other people came in the meeting and I told we told them what happened and we took a vote because <laughs> it was a, they read how it works and it was going to be a 15 minute share. It wasn't a long one. And so we took a vote. So they read how it works. I shared my 15 minutes and then we all went to the South Africa meeting. <laughs> and then when that ended, I went into the UK meeting to share. And so we never oh. know what God's plan is and it works out. And I see God working through a lot of things, like a certain speaker's not to show up and somebody else shares. And it's just what I saw somebody else be touched by. Mm-hmm. Or I go to a meeting because I get this feeling to be there. And I, they asked me to be a speaker. Or the other day I was in a Utah meeting and two women shared that something I shared there when I told my story a couple of weeks before has helped them and how they use it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we never, what I know is I don't always know what effect I have or, you know, one of the things I share almost all the time, because my first sponsor gave me a lot of prayers, is she had me put a note on my mirror and it said, Dear Carol, I know what I'm doing. Love God. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of people are doing that. And a lot of people are saying, instead of inviting God into their day, they're inviting themselves into God's day. And I was at a UK meeting the other day and the gal that chairs, it's a friend of mine. We talk a lot. And she said, did you get something in your mailbox? And I said, not yet. And she goes, so I went and checked it and she had taken a picture of a sunrise over her house in the UK and mailed it to me. And she printed, it said, dear Carol, I know what I'm doing. Love God. And so it's on my refrigerator. Oh, very cool. Yeah. You know, so I am I here. And as you, you know, talk about all that. I am just, I'm impressed that you've kind of forged your own way, created a type of service that mm-hmm. is not, you know, the traditional going to meetings and, and, and taking people, well, you take people through the steps, but anyway, how you've done it all online. And uh, I love that you're very well connected mm-hmm. uh, and known in that world, if you will. That's really cool, Carol. Really it cool. is. I had, a, I had a friend in New Jersey that got married and was going to Ireland and I connected her and somebody else from the UK was going to California and, and a friend from South Carolina and his wife were going to Ireland last week and I gave him a lot of names and one of the men that I gave him the name of picked him and his wife up and took them to lunch and that man is speaking at the South Carolina meeting Sunday night. Oh. <laughs> and they sent me a picture of them together. And so there's lots of really cool stories like that. Yeah, very cool. Well, Carol, um, I've I, I really enjoyed our time as always together. Uh, is there anything that... Mm, some way you want to wrap it up? I mean, keep in mind you're talking to people all over the world, uh, as you do on a consistent basis, uh, in terms of uh, any sort of message or final thought that you want today? 
Sure. I'd like to tell you that whatever I did when I was new, the habits I got into when I was new that my sponsor had me do is what I still do. And that is automatic. It's an automatic part of my life. I don't have to think about what to do if something happens or I need to work through something. I, I still have a sponsor that I run things through. But the habits I got into when I was new is what's kept me sober. So give us an example of some of those habits. All right. Mean? Read the big book every day. Start from the beginning cover. They told me when I opened the book, there's they said, what's there? And I said, nothing. And they said, that's what I knew about being sober. And they said, every day, read the book. So I found, like I said, I read the big book out loud or any of my literature out loud in the singular because it makes it more real to me. It makes it more personal. I relate to it better. I turn some of the questions into statements or statements into questions. When it says, if I drank this way, it's did I do that or did I act this way? So I turn things into questions and answer them. I have the certain pages that I've read over and over again, which is the third and seventh step prayer and 68 to 71 to set my ideals in all areas of my life. Because if I know what my ideals are, if I have to make a decision or take an action, if they're in accordance with my ideals, that I ask God to help me set, I'm probably on the right path. Like if I want to be honest, then I don't tell a lie, right? If I, or don't steal or cheat or do anything like that. And then 84 to 88 gives me my instructions of what to do, right? Think about 24 hours ahead. But when I was new, 24 hours was too much. Mm -hmm. So maybe I had to break it down to five minutes or an hour or three hours or half a day and People used to say, start your day over, but I don't because I want to learn from those experiences. And I took words like in the seventh step, I don't say take all of me good and bad. It's just take all of me because to me, things aren't good or bad. They're just lessons and experiences I get to have to grow through to share with somebody else where God gives me a lot of chances to work on step six and seven every day. And I know, you know, I had to find that connection to a higher power. And so it's not that my higher power is changed. It's that my awareness, and especially with the online meetings, connecting with people and seeing stories and connecting people with people that have the same type of experience, that I see how big God is. And so to just to stick close to the book and read and, and do all those things it says. And I, I when I share in, on online meetings, I tell people, and I'm going to, you can do this visually. I mean, but I ask people to clap. This is what they did for me because they told stories. So they said, Carol, clasp your hands. And you can do this, John, and whoever's listening to this later on. And they said, Carol, what thumb is in the front? And I said, interlock your fingers like mm -hmm. you're there you go like you're clasping your hands and yeah. they said carol what thumb is in the front and i said my right one and they said switch it so the left thumb is in the front mm -hmm. and they said how does that feel and i said it feels different uncomfortable i'm not used to it i don't think i like it and they said that's what new actions and behaviors in alcoholics anonymous is going to be at first, it's going to seem strange and uncomfortable and different, and you might not like it, and you may not think it's going to work, but keep doing it. And every day, 
keep doing it. And every day clasp my hands a lot and until my left thumb is in the front automatically. And one day I'm just going to clasp my hands without thinking about it and my left thumb will be in the front and it will feel comfortable. Just like the new actions and behaviors in Alcoholics Anonymous. The more I do them, the more I take the suggestions you give me or I hear somebody share how they did an amend or how they acted or whatever. And what I read in the book, it becomes automatic. Like the book says, I'll do it automatically. I won't think about drinking. I'll go through life and not think about drinking or not drinking. It just happens. And so little things like that, that they've told me over the years and that I get into practice of seem to help me a lot to have contented sobriety, not just sober, but contented sobriety. I'm no matter what's happening. I've been through a lot of stuff sober. My parents have died. My husband died. I've had cancer. I've had a lot of surgery that altered my body. I'm missing like six body parts and I'm having surgery again next week, even though they changed the date on me and, and it's all okay. It's not a big deal. It just brings me closer to God and to all of you and to my program. I love it, Carol. So, and one last thing I wanted to bring up because I've had several people that contacted me regarding this, uh, and you, you have some sort of—I don't know if you call it access—but there's some way that you have for people getting into the prison systems or being a pen pal or something like that. Is that right? There's Loners International, which is a meeting by mail through Alcoholics Anonymous, and they can write to. GSO to AA.org. It's um, L-I-M, A-A-L-I-M.org, I believe. Hold on, I can tell you real quick. And to if you want to write to people in prison, the ways to do that is not to contact me, but through your local area, you can um, look up hospitals and institutions. You can call your local group or you can send a message to aa.org and look on there for it. LIM at aa.org is Loners okay. International, and they can also write to aa.org and send them a message and say, I'm interested in writing to people in prison. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and I will say, though, if anybody's interested in learning more about the online world, if they, I don't know, they could just write me and I'll just forward it on to you. Sure. I, I, I'll screen out the crazies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're all crazy. <laughs> I know. I have a lot of links to get meetings around the world, and I created a favorites group where I post some of the flyers I get, and there's, I don't know, 130 people that that goes to every day, and lots of ways to be of service if anybody wants to do online service. There's a lot of groups that, because people went back to meetings in person, or they're going back to work, there's a lot of service positions that need to be filled at a lot of online meetings. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you for everything that you do for Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and Al-Anon, I should say. Uh, and um, I, I really, once again, uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'm sure we will speak again soon. Oh, I don't have it. Oh, uh, page 164 from the big book. I need it here. Page 164 we read from to close this up. And it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Carol L., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, thanks, Carol. Thank you, John. And trudge means walk with intention and purpose. There you go. (laughs) As always, Carol, we so much enjoy having you on the pod. And uh, I appreciate your time and all, all of your service work. Carol is tireless about what she does in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I am very, very appreciative of that. Now, on to a little bit of, oh, by the way, remember now, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but we would love you sharing this episode with a friend or a family member. It may be just what they need today. So pause your device, hit that share button, and get it on over to them. Brent writes in, and Brent said, um, oh, the, the subject line was, I saw your website, and I was wondering if you have any episodes with your sponsor. Thank you. And so I, I emailed him back, and I thought, well, hey, if Brent is wondering this, I bet you some other people may be wondering it as well. So I'll go ahead and read this on the episode. And those, for those of you who are wondering, it is episode number 38, uh, and that is my sponsor, Bob L. And we call that I, I Can Quit Anytime I Want. Bob has been my sponsor now for... 33 years, and I tell him he's a temporary sponsor just to keep him on his toes. But I love that man. I love that man dearly. We have been so through so, so much together. He's been there at the birth of both of my children. He was there the day that my mother died. She passed away. Um, I've been there through a a lot of his struggles as well. And we really do just, we have a, a special bond, a special relationship. And uh, I just love that man to death. Anyway, he's on uh, episode number 38, if you want to catch that, Bob L. Sean writes in, and Sean says, Hey, John, I live in Pensacola, Florida. I am 40 and married with three kids. I've been drinking now for 22 years with brief periods of sobriety mixed in, the longest period being close to a year. I currently have only three days sober, but literally for the first time ever, I have made up my mind that I've had enough and I'm not going to drink anymore. Before it was always, well, I can stop drinking for a few months to let my body detox or I'll learn only to drink socially, etc. None of these things ever worked out and before I knew it, I was face down down in a bottle again. Well, a lot of people are listening who uh, can relate to that, I'm sure, Sean. Anyway, he says, uh, this is the first time I've ever just f- said flat out, this is stupid, and I'm not going to do it anymore, So, and so far, so good. The first two and a half days were rough. Shakes, high anxiety, fighting myself to stop the urge to drink, lots of sleep, and lots of rehydration. 
I also did a lot of reading, a lot of listening to podcasts, and more sleep. I woke up today energetic and none of the previously mentioned symptoms. I feel lucky because anytime I stopped drinking before, my symptoms lasted close to a week. I believe this is God knowing my heart and heart and will are true and giving me a break, laugh out loud. Anyways, I stumbled upon the podcast just by searching for stuff on Spotify, and I've listened to several episodes and have really enjoyed them. I look forward to listening to many more. Have a great day, Sean. Well, Sean, by the time you hear this, I hope you're on day, I don't know, it's probably going to be a couple weeks before this is out, 14 plus through what, 17 days or whatever it is, and God bless you, my friend. I'm, I'm glad you were You got up on that horse and started riding again. God bless you. I'm glad you're on the right track. Allison writes in and Allison says, good morning, John M. I guess this was in the morning when she was writing. My name is Allison B and I am a recovering alcoholic. I'm in my 10th year of sobriety and this, my sobriety date is 28th of November, 2012. I live in Royal Wooten Bassett, England. So I'm wondering, is that the name of a city, a town? I'm so, uh, this is me, Allison. It has nothing to do with you, but Royal Wooten Bassett, England, across the pond. And I'm so glad you're out, Miss Allison. I listen to you on Sober Speak when I'm out walking, and it's really helpful. It keeps my head balanced. AA has given me my life back and more. Our meeting is on Wednesday nights at the local church. Thanks for all you do. All the very best. Regards. Allison. Well, Allison from across the pond in Royal Wooten, Bassett, England. Thank you so much and congratulations on your 10 years. Scott writes in and Scott says, good morning, John. I live in Fulcher, Texas, which is slightly west of Houston. I am 60 years old. I'm still very healthy and look good Uh, Look on the good for that age. Unfortunately, I've been in and out of AA since 1995. I had four years many years ago, but I am still struggling. I have a new sponsor now, and I'm doubling down with prayers and reading uh, and, uh, and reading and making phone calls. I'm also doing 90 meetings in 90 days. So far, so good. I don't have 30 days quite yet. I love your podcast. I've been listening to it for about a year, usually on my way to work. The nice guitar music in your voice is soothing before the speakers even begin. I appreciate it. I can't think of the name of the speakers I really like, but the one... Uh, there was one that was an absolute crazy person in San Diego and ended up being a lawyer. <laughs> Thank you for everything you do. Uh, I'll let you know when I get some sobriety under my belt, Scott. Yeah. So that lawyer that you are talking about is a gentleman named Mr. Rich B. And uh, he's, I've got him scheduled Coming up here, I don't think it's till the fall, but we have them scheduled to come back on and be on the pod again. And I'm glad you mentioned that music. You know, that music, I don't think I've told this story in quite some time. It comes from a, a gentleman uh, named Doug. 
who was a friend of mine here in the area. He's not in the program or anything like that. Uh, but we knew or we knew each other through church and we're still good acquaintances. Uh, in fact, I just went to his daughter's uh, wedding. But nonetheless, uh, he wrote that. So here's, here's what happened when I was like, I don't know, I had about 10 or so episodes uh, recorded, maybe 20. I can't even remember. But I'd been listening to other podcasts, and all of a sudden, I, I figured out that, hey, I think I need a little jingle or something in the beginning, and he's the only guy that I, that I know that can play. Well, I shouldn't say he's the only guy I know. I think I know other musicians, but uh, I was doing, uh, I was working with the youth uh, up at our church, and Doug uh, would always get up there and play the guitar. He, he could play songs, he could write songs, he could do all kinds of things. Is so talented musically. And I just asked him if he could come over and, and record me like a 30-second something or other. And so we just put the mic up to his guitar. He came over here. He's gracious enough to do it. And I, it was like a 30-second or minute type of thing. And I said, I don't know, just start playing. <laughs> he played it. And it's been our jingle? I don't even know what to call it. Just the music at the beginning of the episode uh, ever since, and I'm very appreciative of Doug. Uh, he had no, <laughs> I don't think he had any idea at the time that it would be heard as many times as it has been heard around the world, and neither did I, really. So anyway, all right, everybody, uh, I'm off to uh, do a little traveling and uh, I will be back, uh, I don't know, I, I'll, I'll be back and we'll record some more episodes and I'll catch up on listener feedback and contributions and all that kind of stuff. So God bless y'all. Uh, I love you. Um, I keep, uh, I, what do I usually say? Oh, keep coming back at works if you work it. And also may God bless you and keep you until then. Talk to you soon. Bye.